Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB on Rates Day. I'm Juliette Sali. Hi, and I'm Danny Akuye. Gosh, Jules, what a day we've had today. It's Indeed. been uh, quite amazing, this new format. We've been listening to it. What do you think? I think it's really interesting and really mm. dynamic in the sense that, you know, it's a two-day meeting now. They've got more time to digest everything, mm. all the economic pieces. And then they actually give us the press conference one hour after the um, decision has come through, the statement has come through. I think it's really good. It's really dynamic. We saw a lot of our friends there uh, asking questions um, to Michelle Bullock. And I guess the key point for anyone who has just tuned in, the RBA has left interest rates on hold at 4.35%, but indicated there could be future rate rises ahead if the economic climate warrants. Yeah, it, um, listening to Michelle Bullock in that presser, it, it very much like a lot of central banks, they're remaining data dependent. Mm. They really want confirmation that inflation is trending down. It has proven in Australia to be quite sticky, this homegrown inflation and service inflation that we're referring to. Um, When we did the live piece with The Economist, uh, David Flanagan just saying the rates pricing went up a little bit in terms of May, but really it was just the markets adjusting a little bit. Yeah, and let's look at markets and where they are after the rate decision. Uh, We have got the SIBO 200 down by about six tenths of 1%. The ASX 200 is off six tenths of 1% or 45 points. 7,580 points. Um, And elsewhere, we have been looking, of course, at uh, some of these moves in terms of uh, some moves from the miners and whatnot, which we'll get into in a moment. But worth noting as well, I guess, Danny, the Aussie, which you pointed out has more to do with some of the offshore moves. Yeah, I, it's just really interesting because the Aussie market, when we look at it there, the CBO 200, um, it is a bit of a nothing burger in terms of the response when the RBA meeting came out. The Aussie dollar is about 0.5 of a percent higher today. So it's off just above 65 cents. But uh, as so one of our guests, um, David Scott, Scotty said, We're seeing a huge rally in both Hong Kong and Chinese markets. And the Aussie dollar does tend to reflect the tone of what's going on in terms of uh, China. So just bear in mind, it's maybe not as clear cut with the Aussie dollar, whether it's the hawkish hold, which is one of our three themes for the RBA, or whether it's that risk on sentiment that we're seeing out of uh, Hong Kong and uh, China. Yeah, so indeed, let's get to our three themes, the hawkish hold, as we mentioned, because uh, the governor did indicate it, or the RBA board, I should say, did indicate that they are not necessarily done, like many in the markets are anticipating. And then we're seeing retailers rally, which I think is really interesting because that is defying the so-called doom and gloom that, you know, we're not out there spending Maya back to pre-COVID levels. 
schools. Mm. Um, Nick Scarly as well had a positive update. Both those retailers doing very well today. Yeah, um, I don't want to rain on that parade, but it could be a case of it's a little bit better than the bad that they expected. Yeah. So that's how markets work. It's always around expectations. Um, but interesting, we did see big miners again under pressure today. And uh, Jules, I think you were citing, uh, was it Citigroup downgrading yeah. iron ore prices down to $100 a tonne? I ton. think they think uh, that it will decline to $100 a tonne yeah, by the third quarter, but Citi's still expecting iron ore, the market in overall to remain in a small surplus this year as well as the next. All right, let's get then to some of the sectors that we're following. Speaking of the miners, uh, we're looking, of course, at Fortescue down 3%, um, but still holding really well at $28 a share. BHP Rio, Northern Star, South 32, they're also under pressure. And energy, we did see firmer energy prices and that sector was in the green today and we it was one of the pos positive highlights of today's trade with Woodside, Santos and Ampol all trading positively. Having a look at some of the tech players as well, uh, we saw WiseTech and Zero under pressure, Altium as well, but Tech One and NextDC were rising. And uh, let's just get back to those top stories. I mean, you did say perhaps the market was expecting less, but I mean, have a look at Maya, 15.4%. I think the important thing is, though, it is back to pre-COVID sales. So, I mean, it can't be as bad, but perhaps... Not as, as bad as expected is yeah. what I'm saying, is, yeah. is basically saying. But the Maya results um, do look quite good. Uh, just worth highlighting, Nick Scarly also topped its first half of profit guidance, despite reporting a near 30% drop in net profit for the six month ended the December 31. And uh, they did also say sales were low, but they have declared a 35 cent dividend per share. In the financial sector, we saw Magellan uh, have a four $400 million of outflows in January with total funds under management boosted to $36.6 billion. And Kelly Partners Group out with a uh, new, uh, sorry, news after the closing bell last night, pulling its payment of dividends after February as a result of the change in the dividend policy. And the company says it will now pay a final dividend of 43 cents per share in February. Well, I spoke to the CEO last week and asked him about that. So you can catch that on Ausbiz. And he said it's basically because the majority of their shareholders and not Australian, in Australia I should say, so they don't actually want a dividend, they don't uh, see the tax benefits of that, so that's why they decided to scrap their dividend payments. Uh, Cochlear meanwhile marking its worst performance since September 2022, UBS analysts lowering their price targets and downgrading their rating from neutral to sell, UBS citing concerns that Cochlear's implant sales could be affected if Moderna develops a vaccine for CMV infection and this is the virus that causes the like of chicken pox and herpes. Oh, interesting. I thought that was really interesting, actually. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our guest for the COB and Amy Oster from Sign Advisory joins us now. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure to be here. Okay, uh, so your takeaways from uh, today's RBA, well, announcements. We, no shortage of information between the SOMP and the press conference and everything else. I thought Michelle Bullock was doing a very admirable job of communicating very clearly about what they're looking for, expectations. What are some of your takeaways? Oh, look, I, I really agree. And, um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how the RBA's style of communication to the market evolves. There was already a question about how the RBA is handling its market communication 
versus the U.S. Federal Reserve. And among economists and market watchers, it's always a matter of great debate how central banks choose to communicate. But I do think that in this particular environment where interest rates have hit households so hard, um, it's fantastic to have that access to the governor and for journalists to ask and for her to answer in her own words and very art articulate so well uh, what the RBA is considering um, and why um, households are having to go through this pain right now. Well, indeed, and it really does allude to, of course, what it's going to be, Amy, for the outlook for the rest of the year, particularly if inflation excuse me, does remain stubborn. What, though, did you take from Michelle Bullock saying, you know, we, we potentially might not be done? Is that just, again, saying, look, we are going to be data dependent for every single month, when money markets, though, are very much suggesting we will see cuts by maybe August, September? Well, considering the... Uh, challenges that the RBA experienced um, with guidance to guidance that didn't really um, work and was probably overly definitive before the rate cycle uh, commenced. Um, it's she is always going to say that it's data dependent and and it is data dependent. Um, I think it's really interesting when you look at the yield curve and how this has kind of evolved over the past two or three months. Um, the bond market is telling us that there's still quite a significant risk of a of a, of a slowdown, and um, and I would say we've already had a consumer recession, a household spending recession in Australia, but there is a potential for the economy to still slow down significantly, um, even at rates where they are. So, the RBA has to be dynamic. We can't bank the improvement in inflation that we've already seen. That's got to keep going, and they're also watching how the economy responds. It's very much on a knife's edge. So, yep, you can do your forecasts with all the capability that the RBA has, and yet forecasts are only forecasts. And as the governor said, there's always the potential for something to come from the left field as well that wasn't anticipated. So I think it is absolutely data dependent, and that's just sort of what we're going to have to live with. Um, I do think that one, I suppose, one element I'm aware of or thinking about, uh, consumer sentiment, you start to, you feel like it is already starting to improve. Um, now that people feel that the end of the rate rise cycle is that we've reached the end or nearly the end, and people start talking about rate cuts, what concerns me is what rate cuts mean um, to kind of the, you know, your, your listener and your mortgage holder. Um, I think people have to understand when we say interest rates might eventually fall, they're not going back to where they were before this rate cycle, rate rise cycle happened. We are not going back. To one and a half, two percent on the RBA cash rate, we're probably not even going. We're not even going back to three percent. So, what we when we think that uh, four point three five percent of the cash rate is high, it's not going much lower. That's really interesting, Amy, that you make those points because um, all of the central banks that have had meetings recently have pushed back very strongly on this, um, you know, rates are coming down narrative. And as you rightly pointed out, for the consumer, the person with the mortgage, the person with debt, if that relief is in sight, it's almost like, oh, I can relax and I can go and spend again. And I love the way that you fleshed out the whole concept that inflation, inflationary expectations, they're, they're, they're a very human thing. They're very related to how us humans work. And that's, as economists, hard to then translate it into a whole lot of set of numbers. <laughs> well, absolutely. And um, it, is, it is all about expectations, sentiment and expectations, inflation expectations, 
um, income expectations, interest rate expectations, they all they all interplay in how consumers behave. I think the other thing that's really interesting to think about um, in this particular cycle is how hard rates, the rate cycle is falling, especially on households, and how relatively immune, if you like, the business sector is. Nor in a normal, in a theoretical kind of framework, when you have higher interest rates, it affects households through increased borrowing costs and businesses through increased borrowing costs and the overall economy through an adjustment in the exchange rate. But in this particular cycle, due to a lot of other factors, the exchange rate has barely moved. So you haven't had that balance, that automatic balancing that you normally do when interest rates really start to move dramatically. And Australian corporates, the me medium to large end of town, um, really have very low borrowing. So they're also not being impacted in terms of their investment, their hiring. They're not uh, reacting to a higher rate environment either. So the burden of adjustment really is falling on households. And it's why that rate, what the cash rate is, is watched so closely. Um, but I do worry that people are anticipating a sense of relief uh, that may not really come, at least not for a very long time. Well, with that in mind, Amy, what's your overall view of the economy for 2024? And I guess to the IMF's point that there could be a global soft landing. Uh, I think a global soft landing is right. It, it's um, very encouraging, actually, that uh, particularly out of the US, which is the home of global financial markets, that we've had this massive interest rate adjustment We've had some amount of deleveraging and yet no financial crisis. That's something that we haven't managed to achieve in the past 30, maybe 40 years. So uh, so that's actually been um, pretty well done. So global soft landing, I think so. Uh, I think in Australia, I've always, I haven't really um, anticipated a recession, but for a lot of people, this does feel like a recession because of how hard they have to tighten the belt. Um, so agree with a soft landing and hopefully we can get through 2024 of course, geopolitical risk um, very present on the horizon, unfortunately. So that is uh, something to watch. And within that, um, the dynamics of what's going on in China's economy. Um, we, when you mentioned before, what's going on with the large miners and uh, and iron ore price forecasts coming down. But there's also been a lot of news around what's happening with lithium and nickel. And so some of the adjustments in those markets, obviously in Australia, that's a pretty big deal. So I think that's another factor we're going to have to look. Oh, Amy, fantastic. Really interesting insights and comments. Uh, thank you so much for joining AusBiz today. We've really appreciated it. Thanks for having me. All right, Amy Oster from Sign Advisory. Let's have a look at the stock of the day. It was Nick Scarley, Sean Hickman from Market Matters and Mark Morland from Team Invest shared their verdict on today's episode of The Call. Uh, it's a fabulous business. I've been very surprised how strongly the earnings have held up up until now. I mean, they, we had, they had a massive boost through COVID and then they kept going, after which really surprised us because we expected the retailers generally like Debbie and um, Nick Scarley to come back, uh, you know, after after COVID because they had such big big lifts. But they've, they've, they've held up really well. So I'm not surprised that it's come off uh, somewhat. I think, yeah, it's probably a reflection of the economy a bit. But look, uh, I'm a very happy shareholder, and it's disappointing that it's gone up 10%. Right. <laughs> I, would have rather, I would have rather it went down 10%, I would have bought some more. Retailers are priced for trouble, 
we all know why, the economy, people have, you know, they're hurting, the interest rates are higher, inflation's there, blah, blah, blah. But the results are coming in not as bad as expected. Yep. Um, so for me, I agree Nick Scala is a quality business. It's moved um, strongly today. At these levels, I'd still call it a hold. Right. I still think you are looking at a sector which could have problems this year. There's uncertainties. And yep. after the strong recovery in Nick Scali, I'd have it as a hold. Um, but it's a quality company. Okay, Jules, should we check in on some of today's leaders and see what's been moving hmm. in the market? Because it all wasn't a grim. And uh, just worth pointing out, because we were checking earlier on, both Nick Scarley and Meyer in the ASX 300, and this is just the ASX 200. So mm. Linus leading the pack here, uh, Harvey Norman, both up by over 3%, and then Ingham's and Eager's Automotive and Sayona Mining all up by over 2.5%. Gosh, I'm old enough to remember when Colesmeyer was in the top 200 when it was together. <laughs> anyway, let's look at the laggards um, and have a look at West African resources down 10%. Cochlear, of course, we talked about the fact that uh, it's right Moderna, according to UBS, could be coming through with a vaccine, which could hurt its uh, outlook. Arcadium, lithium, champion iron and Capricorn metals also to the downside. And the small caps. Let's see what's been happening. Uh, there we go. N NZK Salmon. Woof, up a, a mere 52%. Mm -hmm. Brainship also off to the races, up 20%. Botanics up 10%, 4D Medical and Northern Minerals up by over 8%. And to the downside in the small cap space, Bougainville Copper off 20%, Fluence, 40S Memory, Gallon, Lithium and Calyx. So once again, a lot of the lithium stocks are getting a hit today. All right, let's have a look at what will be happening overnight our time. Uh, US earnings, Eli Lilly, Ford, Toyota, Spotify is an interesting one. I spoke to this CEO of Spotify in my old job, uh, they always, of course, are one to watch in terms of the interesting outlook about whether or not they've raised their subscription prices, what that means. Yeah. Um, Eurozone retail sales, UK construction PMI also coming They're out. They're doing really well with the podcasting, mm. I heard, and it's a great series on Netflix as well, if anyone hasn't watched it. Fascinating story. Uh, right. And what's happening tomorrow? Because, of course, our earnings season starts, well, in more earnest, shall I say. Alliance mm. Aviation, BWP Trust, Centuria Capital, Dexas Industrial REIT, and for some reason I thought Amcor was reporting. Nevertheless, ResMed is going ex-dividend, and we've got in the Eurozone, Germany Industrial Production, and New Zealand, a fourth quarter unemployment. All right, well, let's just have a quick look at where the market ended. Uh, we are lower, really taking that lead from Wall Street, but uh, down by six-tenths of 1%. The ASX 200 finishing the day lower by six-tenths of 1%, 44.7,581 is where we sit. And as we mentioned, the IT and mining stocks, really the laggards today, but the Aussie dollar getting a boost. Oh, well, there you go. No doubt, lots more interesting things will be happening overnight, particularly with Eli Lilly reporting. That's mm. a huge one. That was up 6%. That's, a, the, that's one of the weight loss drugs one, isn't it? It certainly yes, is. It is. It's the major one along oh, with Monjaro, Nova, yes. Nova, Nova Nordisk. Anyway, um, well, I think we might wrap now. It's been, <laughs> it's been a busy day, to put it mildly. Um, I hope you all have a great evening and we will be, uh, well, live at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. See you then. Yeah. 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.